It's a man of God, Father God, as a pillar in Alberta, Father God, for revival. God, we just thank you for the fire of God in him, Father God, that there is a Holy Spirit explosion tonight, Lord, that you just explode on the inside of him, God. God, we just pray, Lord, that you would fill him with your spirit this morning, that it would be a fresh word tonight, Father God. We're hungry. We're hungry for more of you tonight, God. So, God, we just pray there would be fire in his mouth, Father God, that he would speak with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, that he'd, he'd preach plainly and boldly, Lord, as he ought to, Father God. I just thank you that you'd anoint his mouth and anoint his lips right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much. And uh, so good for those that have come from uh, far to be here. And for many, you come uh, far to be at every resurgence. And uh, so thank you that it's really good to be closer to you. And uh, so uh, thanks for driving, and uh, and I, you know what? I can who I I need your help right now. We need to say these words out loud. Davy, turn off the fluorescent lights. Who likes fluorescent lights? Like I don't like fluorescent lights. So I think we need everyone to say, Davy, turn off the fluorescent lights. Some of you are with me. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, anyways, I don't know, I don't like fluorescent lights, but now I can't see you, but anyways, it's at least no fluorescent lights, but uh, yeah, thank you, Chantal, and thanks for just having us here, and everyone who's from Lacombe Pentecostal Church in this area, and uh, it's just, it's really good to be here tonight, and um, I'm just excited what God's going to do. TJ, thanks for praying, and uh, and just everyone else who gathered, and um, Diana mentioned about... Uh, uh, we're doing this resurgence extended at the June 20th, 21st, and just really excited. Uh, I just, even we put up a, a thing on Facebook last night, and somebody from Nashville's like, hey, Louisa, she's like, hey, this is amazing. I'm excited just looking at the picture. And I just, uh, God's just, God's just doing something, and just how he connected us with Havla, it's just a really God thing, and it's going to be a really amazing time, and so i just excited and invite you to be a part of that. And, uh, yeah, so tonight I feel uh, uh, the word of my heart is to talk about uh, resurrection. And, um, you know, I was uh, reflecting on uh, just, you know, Easter last weekend and, uh, you know, the meaning of the cross. And uh, I just couldn't shake it this week, this whole idea of um, resurrection. Um, the, the word means rising again. And uh, it's not that different than the word resurgence, which also means resurrection, restoration to use, rising again. And so, um, you know, as a child, there's different times that my parents would, would show me parts of their personality. For example, if I did something great, they would, they would show me their love. They would say, oh, you did a good job. And they would, they would encourage me and they would be there. And I would see that side of them. But then there was times when I would do stuff that was dumb and bad and not what they wanted and I would see another side of their love it was still love but it was it was a different facet to uh, their personality to who they were to me and it was more of hey don't do that that was wrong but it was still love but it was just I was seeing a different um, different aspect and I believe at times you know there are times we see different aspects of God we see you know we can see God as a loving father we we can see how he, he loves us as a father, but then there's times that we can see him, you know, see the Holy Spirit, the comforter. 
We can see uh, there's times when we need healing in the Holy Spirit. The oil of the Holy Spirit pours into the cracks and crevices. I mean, there's just different aspects. God's still the same person, and he's not changed. He's always the same. He has all those aspects. But at different times in our journey, we see different parts of him come out. Where circumstances we're going through, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I just feel God's love. Because you need to feel God. That's what he wanted to, you know, that's what we need at the time. And tonight, I just feel that God wants everyone here, including myself, to have an experience with his resurrection. I just feel that he wants to reveal that he is the resurrection in life tonight. And I just so, as I prepared for this this week, it just, it was so evident in my house as I was, as, you know, he's risen. And we can't have a resurgence in Lacombe tonight, you know, uh, unless we grasp a resurrection. He rose again. He is risen. You know, um, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he is alive. You know, he triumphed death, and he's alive. And sometimes we look at the story of the cross, and we see Jesus on the cross. But, but he actually came down off the cross, was in a tomb, and then rose again. And I've been guilty. As I look at that story, sometimes I just see the certain aspect of it. But there's the aspect of he rose again, too. He didn't just die for sins, but then he also rose again as well. You know, there are three times in Scripture, I find it funny, there's three times in Scripture that Jesus even said, there's even a few more references, but three exact times that he told his disciples, he says, I am going, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. He said it, like he said it in Mark 8.31. The Son of Man must be killed, and after three days he will rise again. And it says in Scripture, spoke plainly and Peter rebuked him. Like he said it, like it was like he told the disciples, guys, this is going to happen. Then in Mark 9, 9, tell anyone what they have seen until, don't tell anyone until what they've seen until a son of man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. They'd, they discussed it. Like they knew this. They had a little discussion. They had a, they like, did he just say that? What does that mean? Was that, you know, Jesus walked away and they're like, dude, what does that mean? Rising? Like it wasn't just like a point where Jesus said it and they moved on and they go, oh, yeah, we didn't really hear it. They discussed it, okay? Then in Mark 10, 33, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and they hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock them, spit on him, flog on him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. So three days later, he's going to rise. What goes down is Jesus comes, is, is as he said, he's crucified. He goes, you know, all this happens, he dies on the Friday. But Sunday's coming. No, Sunday's coming, you know. And, and three days later, he's going to rise. And, you know, I find it funny is, you know, um, the disciples, you know, there was no one really around. Like, I mean... He, they knew he was good. there was no one there waiting at the tomb, like a whole crew going, okay, where's he going to come out? Like, where's he coming? Like, he had said it, but they weren't there waiting for it. Like, they had either forgotten, they didn't know what it meant, they just, they, and so we, we know in John 20, it says, Mary sees the stone is rolled away, and, and she gets Simon Peter and another disciple. And um, in John 20, I'll just turn there. It's, it's funny if you read it, because it says this. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord, 
out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Okay, she never said, hey, that came true three days later, he rose. No, we don't know where he put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I think that's pretty awesome. Because that reminds me that, like, they're human. They're like me. Like, it would be like me and Danny betting, okay, well, who's going to run there first? And it's like, I got there, and I'm writing it down, and I'm going to put it in there and go, Danny, I won. See? Like, and they say that John actually was probably the other disciple. That's what many scholars say. So John's writing this, and he's writing it about himself. And he's like, just for the record, I beat Simon Peter. Yeah. I sprinted there. Ha! You know? It, I just, that's awesome. And so, um, so then, you know, they, so Peter and another disciple, they're, for, they're both running. One outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in, strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behi- behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as a burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside he saw and believed they still did not understand from scripture that jesus had to rise from the dead then the disciples went back to their homes but mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in and seated and and basically the angel said woman why are you crying and then uh she turned around and jesus was standing So, you know, the disciples go back. They're trying to intellectually process what's going on. Yet they knew that Jesus was going to raise it, but they still didn't understand what's going on. Like, what has happened? And so they go back, but, you know, Mary stays. And Mary stays and experiences Jesus face to face. See, the disciples found Jesus. They found the evidence of Jesus, but they never had an experience. Jesus wasn't there. But Mary waited. Mary waited, and, and, and uh, my pastor, Kevin Fricker, mentioned this last Sunday, and I just, it just stuck with me all week. You know, Mary waited and saw the evidence and had an experience with God. Jesus showed up. And sometimes, you know, we can know all the evidence, we can know all the, all the things about God and how God, but we sometimes miss that encounter with Him. And they waited, you know, and... and um, there's something about knowing the evidence, but there's another thing to knowing the person. Tonight, God wants us not just to hear some words about the resurrection, but I really believe that he wants um, not just be reminded that he rose, not just, you know, look at the linens left and, and have an experience, sing, sing the song forever and sing these amazing songs about being risen, but I believe God wants to go past our intellectual knowledge tonight. And he wants every person in this place to have such an encounter with the resurrected God. Jesus is resurrection and life. And I just believe that every person in his presence is here tonight. And, um, and I'm just going to share a few things about what resurrection is. And then we're going to pray. And just, just, I just believe that God's going to reveal to every person. He's just going to reveal a resurrection. That aspect of him tonight. Number one, resurrection is not just an event, an act, but a person. See, the very event of rising again from death in the case of Jesus is more than just a change of position or an act. Jesus declared he is the resurrection. You know, in John 11, um, 
we read the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus was, is Jesus' good friend. Instead of rushing to him, who's sick and he's going to die, Jesus says, I'll give it two more days. And he's already, you know, I'll give it two more days. He did this so the Bible says God's son may be glorified through it. And they questioned him and, and he said, oh, he's just sleeping, you know, don't worry. And I'm going to wake him up. And Mary had faith. And Mary, you know, but she was also being real. And she says this, she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she had faith that Jesus, you know, could have saved the brother, but she didn't have faith that he could raise him from the dead. And then Jesus said, what? Sorry, did I miss something? Did I say it wrong? No, raise him from the dead. Jesus assured her there would be rising again, you know, that Jesus said, no, no, Mary, I'll like raise him up. And she says this again. She says, I have faith that you'll resurrect, but on the last day. She's like, that's what she said. She's like, okay, on the last day, but he's gone now. But Jesus is like, no, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to, you know, come, and he's going to be raised up. He's going to be alive. They didn't get that. And Jesus said this to her in John eleven twenty five, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. See, when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was claiming to be the source of both. There is no resurrection apart from Christ. And there is no eternal life apart from Christ. See, beyond that, Jesus is making this statement of his divine nature. He's basically saying he does more than give life. He is life. And death has no power over him. He's saying that. He says, I'm the resurrection. It's not just an act or an event or a change of position that will happen. But I am that. I am the resurrection. I am that. And if that's not even good enough for you, I'm also life too. Boom, boom. You know, like, you know, one punch. And if you don't, you know, like, I am life too. You know, in today's world, we find many people ready to embrace Christianity as a, as a good value system, as, as, as a good culture. You know, oh, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But these people sometimes have difficulty accepting the risen Christ. See, resurrection um, seems to be the one thing that people find illogical about Christianity. It, 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 just, it just doesn't make sense, you know. And for the resurrection of Christ, it's not an act of human goodness or human being. It's an act of God. The incarnate word of Jesus. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Believing in the resurrection is believing in Christ's divine nature, that, that, which is at the core of Christianity. And that's a tough part. Many people say, oh yeah, Christ was a good person. Uh, yeah, he had good things. He said good things. But the reality is they don't want to believe anymore because to believe that he rose again defies human nature, defies intellectual figuring it out. It's, it's believing that there is a God, that there is a greater purpose, that Christ is part of the divine. See, believing in the resurrection and eternal life to come and believing in the divine nature of Christ are two sides of the same coin. One cannot believe in one, but not the other. You have to believe that, that it's God. See, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out. It's one thing to claim to be the resurrection and life, but Jesus proved it by raising Lazarus, who was four days dead. Yeah, there's some serious uh, smell going on with Lazarus. Like, he stunk. You know, like that was past, his body was rotting. Four days in hot weather. Oh, but God came. 
said, come out, come forth. Truly with Christ, death is just sleep. Martha believed that the resurrection is an event. You know, Jesus showed her and us that resurrection was a person. Martha's knowledge of eternal life was an abstract idea. You know, she, Jesus proved that the knowledge of eternal life is a personal relationship. And Martha thought victory over death was a future expectation. But Jesus corrects her, showing that victory is a present reality. See, the resurrection is a person. The resurrection is a person. Number two, the resurrection involves community. The resurrection is a person uh, that wants each individual to experience. It's also a call to community. You know, in Mark's 16 version of the accounts of the resurrection, after Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, verse 10, it says, She went and told those who had been with him who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and she had not seen him, they did not believe. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe him either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those that had seen him after he had risen. See, Jesus rebuked them for not believing the experience of the other disciples. See, they were required to believe in the experience of another person. And, and Bill Johnson says this, and, and it, it just really caught me. He said, it's a scary because not everyone's experience is correct. You know, you can have people experience some weird stuff, and you're like, okay, you're a little weird, you know. But he, these are the disciples. They had lived together, they had known, and they had, they had experienced this. They had seen Jesus as alive, but yet the others didn't experience it. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't intellectually process it, you know, rather than, you know, looking at what was happening. They, they couldn't figure it out. But Jesus is spirit and life. And you know what? When they, they should have been able to discern that it was Jesus because of the presence that Jesus carried. And he rebuked them for saying, hey, why didn't you believe to the experience that the others had? See, the disciples are required to believe the experience of someone else. Sometimes your personal breakthrough can come through the experience of another person. Everyone wants Jesus to them, yet Jesus has this habit of putting sometimes what we need on someone else. He, he wants us to, to be able to be a community, to be a church, to be people that love each other. And sometimes there's people around us that need to experience the love of God. They need to experience our, our words of encouragement, the things that God's put on our heart that we're supposed to give to someone else. It's about a community. You know, Jesus, God sent and sowed Jesus to gain a family. Jesus faced loneliness on a cross. He was all alone and rejected, so we never would have to be. A family isn't individuals working separately, but it's one body, each part doing their part. Jesus emphasized we're a body. We, we, we are to be a team. We are called to be Jesus together in community, not be islands. See, and the thing is, if he deals with me directly, I become independent too, and I become indifferent, and I can, there's a tendency that I can also be super spiritual or over spiritual and go, okay, well, God speaks to me, thus saith the Lord, and he doesn't speak to you like he speaks to me. And so sometimes there can be this, this fostering of an independent spirit. 
But God calls us to be together. Yeah, we can all hear from God. Yeah, God all speaks to all of us. I believe that. But there's also something about coming together in community. Then we walk together. Then when two or three are gathered, there's something that happens when we walk together. And that's why even as a resurgence community, it's so amazing that we can come and we can come to Lacombe and there's people that are from Lacombe, people from Emmett, and we're together and we're just connecting and, and, and just asking God together, learning from God, praying for each other. You know, Ezekiel 37 is a verse that God's really given us as a community about, you know, Ezekiel's rested in his valley and he speaks to these dry bones and, 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 you know, prophesies breath to them and his army arises. You know, it wasn't individuals that arose. It was an army. They They were all different people, but they were all part of one army. There was a community, there was a unity that came together. They're, you know, not individual great soldiers, but they're a great army together. We're called to be an army together. The resurrection is about community. It's about a family. You know, resurrection involves a community. Number three is resurrection is the power of God. Resurrection is the power of God. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, the central role of the resurrection in Christianity uh, is clear in Acts. Whenever the apostles preach about Jesus, when they preached about his resurrection. It wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus and the resurrection. It is the insistence on preaching about the resurrected Christ that, that, you know, that gave them strength and annoyed the Jewish authorities. People could understand that Jesus was a good guy. Okay, he was a good teacher. But when you're going around and saying he's the resurrected Christ, that, that he rose from the dead, it says that you know, now as they speak, spoke to people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they were taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening in Acts 4. See, of all the teachings of Paul, the resurrected Christ was the one teaching that upset the Jewish and even the Greek philosophers of Athens. It was the resurrected Christ because there's power in the resurrection. There's power in the concept that Jesus Christ wasn't, didn't just live on this earth, but he went to a cross, he died, and not only did he die, he rose again. See, resurrection symbolizes power over sin, Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Philippians 3, 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Tim Keller tells a story um, of, of a minister that was in Italy. And um, there he saw a grave of a man who had died centuries before as an unbeliever and completely against Christianity. But he was a little afraid of it too. So the man had a huge um, stone slab put over his grave. And he had that put over so that he would not be raised from the dead in case there was a resurrection from the dead. And he said, I'm going to put this stone, this massive thing over my grave, so like I do not want to be raised from the dead. I don't want someone to pray for resurrection. None of that. And he had insignias put all over the slab saying, I do not want to be raised from the dead. I don't believe in it. 
Yeah. Evidently, when he was buried, the funny part is, an acorn must have fallen into the grave. So a hundred years later, the acorn grew up into a tree. And it was such a big oak tree that this, that, this, that, this, that this acorn came through. And now this tall oak tree basically split the slab right up the middle. It split the concrete. And there's an oak tree standing where this grave is. And this minister looked at it and he said, if an acorn which has a power of biological life in it can split a slab of that magnitude of concrete, what can the acorn of God's resurrection power do in a person's life? And Tim Keller says this, he says, The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the power of the resurrection, the same thing that raised Jesus from the dead. Think of the things you see as immovable slabs in your life. Maybe bitterness, your insecurity, your fears, your self-doubts. These things can be split and rolled off. The more you know Him, the more you grow in the power of the resurrection. There's power in the resurrection. It's not just power to, to remove sin, which is an amazing miracle. And the greatest miracle of all is to know Him. But there's power for sickness to be gone, for depression to be broken off, for, for, for things, everything that we face, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ. And even tonight, we're just we're going to pray, and I believe what, what God wants to do tonight is he, just, he wants us to have the revelation of the resurrection. And for some of you tonight, that's with power. For some of you that, you need the power of God in situations. Maybe you, there's sickness and maybe there's things you're facing. God wants to break through tonight. Maybe it's finances. God wants to break through tonight. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's dreams. Whatever it is, the resurrected power of God is here. Number four, resurrection means a new identity. Resurrection means a new identity. See, when Christ was lowered from the cross and put in a tomb, He was enwrapped in linens. When Christ was resurrected, the linens were lying on the ground. He was not wearing the clothes of before. He was a new creation. And signifies for us that in Christ we are made new. The resurrection changes our identity. God is not into patching up business. He's not into doing a renovation. He makes new things. He tears down and He makes something beautiful and something new. And He wants to make something new in each of us. We are new. It's a new season. God doesn't renovate. He, he starts fresh. Romans 6, 4-5 Therefore we are buried with Him by the baptism into death. Lat like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. You know, every culture has certain things that says, if you obtain this, if you obtain that, if you achieve this, if you, you know, if you'll, you'll have self and you'll be valuable and you'll be powerful. And, you know, some cultures say that you're, you're nobody unless you gain respect of your family and children. Other cultures say you're nobody unless you achieve a career, unless you um, bring money, you have reputation, you have a title, you have an office, you have a company truck, you have a status, whatever that may look like. And, you know, we can believe the lie of the evil one that what you do makes you who you are. So the more you do, the better you are. 
And every culture has this different um, aspect of identity. You know, we had Simon Shea, and he talked about how there's, there's cultures of fear, cultures of shame, cultures of guilt. It can be performance-based and achievement-based. But Jesus is saying tonight, through the resurrection to us, He's saying, that won't work. I want a new identity. The whole system is flawed. No matter if you gain the world, it won't be big enough, it won't be bright enough to cover up the need in you for Him. See, no matter how many things you can gain, no matter what it is, it'll be never enough to make you sure of who you are. And if we build our identity on somebody loves me, or if, somebody, if I have a good career, or, or if this or if that, you know, and anything goes wrong, we can fall apart. You feel like you don't have a self. And, and you, know, you know, we can't also go, hey, I've been immoral, I've been a failure, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to come more spiritual. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to be a good person, a good moral person, because that's, that's a good thing to do. You know, but what Jesus says is, I don't want you to shift from one performance-based system to another performance-based system. Because we can leave, okay, well, no, no, I'm not going to chase career, but I'm going to pursue these things. But we're still pursuing a performance-based system on what we do. It's not about what we do. God's saying it's a new identity. Paid by Christ. It's a whole new way of losing self and, and, and the identity based on the gospel. See, Jesus paid a craw, the cost by sending His Son. And Jesus, or God paid the cost by sending His Son, Jesus. And Jesus went on the cross, and you know it says that he, had to, he lost His identity so that we could have one. They say that Jesus was so unrecognizable that when He hung on that tree, on the, on the pieces of wood, that you couldn't even recognize. He was marred. He was beaten. He didn't even look like Jesus. He lost his identity. He needed to look like something he wasn't so that we can be something. God paid a price for us to be our identity to be in him. See, it's when we see the love of God not based on what we do or if someone loves us, but who we are, paid by Christ. Resurrection is a new identity. It's a new season tonight. The last point is the resurrection was for you and for me. Karis, if you could come and play. Jesus died for you and for me. His death was for our sins, for our freedom. His resurrection was the conquering of death. Resurrection, life, and power is available for every situation. He is the resurrection and the life. And that, you know, He is the resurrection and the life for dreams. For lost causes. For promises. For family. For brokenness. For freedom. For sickness. For depression. For marriages. For businesses. For towns. For cities. For nations. He is the resurrection and the life. You know, 12 different groups saw the resurrected Jesus when He was resurrected, they say. 12 different groups of people ranging from one person to 500 people at one time. And one of those groups was two people on a road to Emmaus. And they were walking on that road. And they were discouraged. And life did not turn out how it was supposed to be. 
They thought things would be better that day. They, they had wished for a better circumstance, and yet they did not know where Jesus was. They, they had traveled, and they go, okay, now he's, die, he's dead. And, 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 and they thought life would turn out different for them. Sometimes we can be like that on our dreams, on our purposes, on the journey we're on. God, where are you? Where are you? How come it's not working the way I thought it was? This relationship or that business or this, this thing or that thing or whatever it may be. God, like where are you in this situation? And they're walking on this road. And you know, Jason Upton sings this song. I always think of it. He says, have you ever had to say goodbye to a hero? Have you ever had to lay away your dreams? Ever been so lonely that a stranger is your best friend? Ever been angry at your country? Ever been angry at your God that you can't see what you have right in front of you? And on that road to Emmaus, there was a man walking with them. And he asked them how they're doing and he was talking to them and they didn't see who it was really. But Jesus was on that road that day. And in Luke 24, the Bible says that Jesus was on that that road that day. And when he left, they discovered our hearts burned when he was with us. Our hearts were on fire when he was with us. Jesus not only died on the cross, was resurrected, but he's walking on the road with each of us tonight. He's with you in your fire. He's with you when you need encouragement. He's with you in the good times. But He's also with you when you feel like there's no hope. When it's like, what am I going to do? The resurrection and the life standing with you. Leonard Ravenhill tells a story. was this guy and he was this godly man in in Ireland and um, one day he went to his little house and it wasn't much of a shack a little house and and he said well I've got it I've got it and Leonard goes you got what remember I told you there is no water around here and he goes yeah you told me that he goes well I start digging and I start digging, and I start digging in the ground over there, and I was digging, and you know, it was a heartbreaking job, and this was not, you know, he was a muscular man, but he, you know, he had been a weightlifter, but he was five feet tall, and he was digging this hole, and he got 14 feet down, looking for water, and he hit a, a massive slab of rock, and Leonard goes, well, what are you going to do? And he says, if I move this walk, rock, water's going to gush out. It's like, okay, well, how do you know that? I just know when I move this. Well, that's a big rock, you know. And, and he goes, if I shift this rock, it's a plug. And when I pull the plug out, the water's going to come. And so sure enough, he, he muscled that rock. He was able to turn the rock to the side. And as he did that, the water came so fast that he almost drowned in his own well trying to get out because in a 14-foot well, he had to like scramble to the top because the water was coming so fast. And you know, it's a reminder tonight, there's something in the word resurrection that we've not yet fathomed. There's a plug here, if, if you'd like. 
And I believe God wants to lift the plug and discover what's lying underneath it for each of us tonight. That we'd have such an encounter with the resurrected Christ tonight that the plug would be released and there would be such a, such a revelation in this place tonight of the resurrected Christ. I just want you to bow your head and we're going to pray. Jesus. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the cross calls you tonight. He calls you He wants to come into your heart tonight. If that's you tonight and you're in this place and you go, I don't know Jesus tonight, but I want to know Him. I don't know that I know that I know that if it were to end tonight, that Jesus is the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand tonight? that's you just pray along God I ask you to come into my heart tonight I commit or recommit my life to you I ask you to be my Lord and Savior I surrender me I surrender myself I surrender my sins I surrender everything about me to you and I ask you to come Forgive me of my sins. I give you my heart. I give you it all. I ask you to come into my heart tonight. In Jesus' name. With every eye closed still and every head bowed, just another call that I feel tonight. We're going to pray, and I just... I want to pray that every person in this room, that we would have an encounter with the resurrected Christ. As I prepared this word, I just felt like God, God wants to literally reveal himself, that, that, that part of him that we, we may know a little bit about, but he wants to just open that plug and just gush into our heart with that concept that he is the life, that it's not an event, but it's a person that it's a new identity, that there's power in the resurrection, that it involves community. And it's for you and it's for me. So if that's you tonight, you go, I just, I want a revelation of the resurrection tonight. I just want you to stand with your eyes closed and we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for you. Just stand and we're going to pray. Just uh, if you could put your hands out like you're going to receive something, like just straight ahead of you. Lord, we thank you that you're here tonight, that your presence is hovering in this place. Yeah, God, I thank you for your death resurrection and 
God, tonight we invite you to come into our hearts tonight in a greater way. That we would have an encounter with the very resurrected Christ. That you would step in to, to our lives, step into our hearts, step into our minds, step into our spirits. That God, we right now surrender our intellectual, where, where we've stopped you from working because we're trying to figure it out. We surrender our minds to you tonight. We surrender our hearts to you tonight. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now for such a revelation of the resurrected Christ tonight. I just see a picture of Jesus. It's like like a door's opening and he's stepping in. It's like he's stepping into a doorway and it's like he's he's always been there. And it's like, but for some, they're having the revelation that the door is opening tonight. But he's always been in the room. And it's like Jesus is just opening the door and closing it, but he's actually still inside the room. Because he's just showing you, yeah, I'm coming in, but I'm all, I, I was already there. So right now, Lord, we just ask for that. In every situation, the resurrected Christ and life. God, we thank you. You are the resurrection and life. And I thank you that you have risen. And we declare a rising again over every person tonight. The rising again. The spirit of a rising again. God, we declare a rising again over marriages. We declare a rising again over businesses. We declare a rising again over families. We declare a rising again over people that suffering from depression. We declare a rising again over sickness. That health would come right now in Jesus' name. I pray right now for allergies to be healed. There's someone with a serious allergy to God's setting them free. And it, and you you just, I just see runny eyes and, and nose and all oh, just, oh, it's just bad. We declare freedom right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, God, we thank you for arising again in Lacombe. We thank you for arising again in, in Red Deer, Pinocchio, and Black Falls, and Sylvan Lake, in this region. In Jesus' name, the very resurrected Christ to walk into the scene, to walk into the schools, to walk into central Alberta. In Jesus' name, we pray that's arising again. Holy Spirit, we receive You're rising again over our dreams tonight. I just believe God wants to stir people that you've had dreams and they've been on a shelf for a long time and they've been getting dusty. God is blowing off the dust off your dream tonight. He's speaking life to your dream tonight. There's dreams that you've even forgot about because the time has been so long. But God is blowing off the dust and He's saying, look at that dream. Spend some time praying in that dream. I'm speaking life over it. There's a rising again of dreams tonight. There's people that you you struggle with depression. God wants to set you free from depression tonight, from from fatigue, from from even just a tiredness of just doing church. There's there's a new passion that's going to come. There's a new there, there's some in this room that you've served and you've served so faithfully and you feel like you've been passed by. God has not passed you by. He is walking with you and you are in the right place and, and God has the right opportunity for you. There is an encouragement that is coming to you tonight. There's some that you thought what was was wasn't and it didn't work out the way you dreamt it would work out. And there's disappointment. God is saying the resurrected Christ is walking in on that disappointment. 
and he's there and he's setting you free from that yeah Jesus we just receive it right now Father, we release joy where there's been sadness. Thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I feel uh, God, God's calling some people. Um, we, we are all called by God, but I feel tonight there's some people that you're, you're called uh, to ministry. You feel God stirring you even tonight to full-time ministry. You don't know what that looks like, but you're like, I just feel that stirring right now. It's like there's something. I just feel like that being stirred up. I just want you to just come to the altar. If that's you, I don't know if it's a few people, but I just feel it like there's something stirring. And God's saying, yes, that's me speaking to you tonight. wants to heal tonight too. If you're here and you need healing in your body, I just want you to raise your hand. He wants to heal every sickness and every disease. If you see someone with their hand raised, I want you to just, can you get around them? You see someone, and let's pray as a community, because a resurrection is a community. You guys who are called to ministry, can you just, I just want to pray for you. So, yeah. Yeah. If you see someone with a hand, just get around them. If, if not, just press in, just continue. God's speaking to people. We're just going to kind of keep going here and just, just see what else the Lord would have tonight. So just the resurrected power of Christ is here. He's here. He's here. And I just believe he wants to minister to every person. Thank you. 